0: Well, I definitely needed to stop that. I am not sure what was going on with the um, with the recording. I'm sorry about that. I am Carol Jorgensen-Sheets, and I am here talking to you today. Um, and I'm probably going to turn off this uh, incredible air conditioner. So, hang tight. I'm going to turn this off. The show must go on. And I'll tell you why. Here we go. All, All right. I turned it off. There we go. Yeah, I'll tell you why the, sh- why the show must go on, uh, as if you didn't know. I am so super excited. Why? Because my book came out Wednesday. Help Them Heal teaching you both how to heal your relationship after sexual betrayal. Now, I'm going to tell you how I rank. (laughs) I ordered 40 copies. I still have clients that come in and see me. I'm not taking new clients anymore. I am being a consultant, but I don't take clients. But I want to be able to sell them a book, and if they come in and they don't know about it, I want them to have it. Um, And so I ordered 40. And last week, a couple of days before the book was going to come out, Sano Press, my publishing company, um, started sending emails to all my peeps, to all my professional colleagues, clinicians, coaches, friends, saying, hey, your book is on its way. Contacted the people-to-be at Sano Press and said, hey, when is my book coming out? When are my books coming and they go, oh, you're not pre-order. I said, I sure am. And they said, no, pre-order is when one person pre-orders a book. You've got 40. I'm sure we'll send those out to you in the next couple of weeks. So I kept telling all my colleagues, well, you guys really rate. You got that information. I didn't. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm okay. I can be patient, Right. I absolutely positively can be patient and wait to get that information. Because I've already read the book. I can, I can help my couples heal without the book, but it would just be nice to have the props. If you're tuning in late, I'm Carol Jurgensen. She this is Sex Help with Carol the Coach, and what we do is help people to be able to cope better. And I am interviewing Dr. Crystal Hollenbach, who we've had on several times. She's an amazing speaker. And she's going to be discussing the essential part of an impact statement um, and how that plays this important part of the therapeutic process for a couple. You know, we'll find out how Crystal does it. I know that after the disclosure... When the partner feels ready, I want her to have voice and to share with the addict how she feels. And that's no easy feat because she kind of has to look at it from a variety of uh, perspectives. How does she feel emotionally, physically, socially, intellectually, spiritually? Um, from from a self-esteem standpoint, how does she feel? And And she writes this thing out and then reads it to the addict. And the addict then has to take it with him and write what we call a restitution uh, letter. And that is not an amends or an apology. That is a, I hear you and this is what you said to me. So I'm so looking forward to see how we jive together and apart. And what Crystal has to say about the impact letter, or as I call it, the emotional impact letter, um, and I, I just so appreciate when people put information together to help make sense of a situation that is not necessarily one that normally makes sense, right, right? Yeah, so I, I want to talk a little bit about what you can do if you're an addict. One thing that you can do if you're an addict to get healthier, to increase the amount of support that you get. Even if you've got this thing, even if you're doing really well, it just makes sense that you get extra support by doing your absolute best to not only participate in a support group, whether that's the Living Truths uh, or s or, well, not S-Anon, it'd be SAA, Sex Addicts Anonymous, or SA, Sexaholics Anonymous. It doesn't matter what meeting you're in, but even if you've got your recovery down and you need to be back at that meeting helping others that are not quite as as fortunate as you, and wow, that is a really important thing, to be able to give back. So that's one thing you as an addict should be doing is really keeping those meetings um, consistent and constant in your own life. Now, you may say, gosh, I was kind of of looking forward to not having anything to do. You know, recovery is tough, and doing the 10 recovery tasks takes a lot of time, and if I can kind of give one up, why not? Well, what we know is that there's always a time to give back. And that is part of what you need to be doing to keep the circle going, right? You want to keep it going so that you can help others that need the help. And that boosts your self-esteem, but what I hear sponsors and other people saying is, It reminds you as you're helping others to have gratitude for where you've been and where you need to be, you know? So you're helping a sponsee was an issue and you go, dang, I remember when I felt that way. I remember that struggle. That was really hard. And now it's not hard anymore. Now, can you imagine being a sponsor? Even if you have trouble in your own recovery time, can you imagine um, being a positive contributor? You know, when I send my guys to their meetings, I say, even if you don't know if you want to sponsor, at least look for some men that you like what they're saying. They're helping you. That is the give and take of a support group. Okay, so now if you're a partner, what's one thing that you can do um, to improve your life? And I'm, just, I'm thinking back to a woman I just talked to a few minutes ago. She can't get the negative thoughts out of her head. And I said, you know what? I said, I want you to begin to look at post-traumatic growth even though you don't feel it. And what I mean by that is she needs to start seeing how women got to post-traumatic growth so that if it shows up, she'll know that that's already happening a bit in her life. And you all know that I have that course on Sex Health with Carol the Coach. If you go to products and you scroll down, look for the um, Post-Traumatic Growth and Partners course. It's eight women that have been through this ordeal and they've gotten stronger and they're in post-traumatic growth. It is a couple that, I mean, she was so bad, she couldn't even stand. She was in the hospital for months. And the good news is that not only did she grow stronger, but they grew stronger together, and now they work with partner betrayal together. Um, She works with the wife, he works with the husband, or it doesn't have to be a wife and husband. It could be husband and husband or wife and wife, whatever. You get get the idea. And then a a, a gay, not a gay, I don't know why I said that, I think because I was just thinking about gay partners and sex addicts. But then there's a male partner who talks about how hard it is to find services. Now, one of the women in this course got a divorce, but all the other partners in the course are still married. It is possible. You can find happiness again after going through this ordeal. And so if you're really having trouble or if your wife is really having trouble thinking positive, get her this course. I don't talk much about this course, but it's amazing. Again, that's on Sex Help with Carol, The Coach. It is post-traumatic growth for partners, and it teaches partners how to begin to notice their own strengths and their own growth. Now, as I said today, Wow, we've got a great guest on. She's been with us several, several times. She always has something new to share. And she said, you know, how about if I talk about the emotional impact letter? I think she just calls it the impact statement. But I said, absolutely. You know, a lot of women, a lot of partners, um, they may have gone through the disclosure, but they didn't know about that impact statement. So... Crystal Hall back. welcome to Sex Help with Carol, the coach. Hi, Carol.
1: So good to talk with you today. Hey, you too.
0: And, and here you are. You just got off of being gone and you rushed home and put together questions for me so I would know, you know, the kinds of things we were going to be talking about. And so I can imagine your life has been pretty busy lately, hasn't it?
1: Isn't that the case for everybody, though? You know, no matter what stage of life we're in, all of these things, we think, oh, when this happens, I'll have more time. And I'm not sure it ever happens that we have enough time for everything. (laughs) Um, But I'm so happy to talk with you today about the importance of the impact statement. Yeah, so I think we call
0: it different things, but it's some of the same stuff. Would you share... What is your
1: version of an impact statement? Yes. So from my perspective in the therapeutic process for couples in sex addiction recovery, the first step we do is the addict we get set up for a very clear uh, recovery plan. I like to call it intentional living plan. That's also going to include things to make the partner feel safe. And then they're going to work on a disclosure. Um, And the disclosure is not a time for apology or explanation. The disclosure is really the first time that the partner is going to get all of the information of what the addict has done, right? The behaviors, the lies, the abuse, they're really owning up to saying, here's what I've done, and they're telling the full truth. So what happens next is what we call the impact statement. And I do like to call it an impact statement. I think it is very similar um, to a victim impact statement that would normally be read in a court of law. So what you're doing with a victim impact statement is being able to say in a court of law, um, I have been harmed by this person and here's how I've been harmed. It helps the judge to be able to assess consequences restitution, that sort of thing, by hearing about the impact that the offender has had on the victim. It's the same thing in a marriage. When you've been betrayed, um, it impacts your whole person. And so we take the victim impact statement, we just call it an impact statement, and it is sandwiched in between the disclosure of learning the full truth and then after the impact statement, the addict will get a copy of that and be able to write a restitution letter. That's when they really get to speak from their heart to acknowledge what they did and apologize, to show empathy towards the partner with how they've been impacted, to understand the grave consequences, and then also to be able to give restitution to go forward differently so that healing can take place. And, of course, Carol, I always recommend that all of my couples read your book, Help or Heal. It's such an important book um, for the partner and also for the addict to really understand the impact that they've had on their partner um, and ways to show empathy. So I think your book is an important piece in taking the addict from, you know, breaking through denial. Um, Sometimes they are obviously sorry that they got caught because they're in shock, too. And then the impact and the process we take them through in the therapeutic process, I think your book is very helpful in that to get them to the place to do the restitution where they really can show remorse and understanding on a much deeper level. But that's what the impact statement is. It's for the partner to be able to really share with the person who's now sober but is learning to be sober-minded that there were consequences for what they did we also know in addiction, one of the ways that you stay in addiction is an unrealistic mindset of minimizing, um, justifying, you know, well, my, if, you know, I'm not actually having intercourse with them, so it's not really betraying my wife. If my wife is never going to find out, how can it ever cause her harm? Um, you know, sometimes blaming the wife. Well, you know, if my wife was nicer, she had more sex with me. But there's a lot of ways that the addict will justify, and of course that hurts them uh, the most, but the impact statement is another way for them to break through denial and really understand the seriousness of what they've done.
0: Oh, I know that, and you and I are both so on board with this. You know, Crystal, I have to say, Three things. One is when I first got into this business, I said to myself, and so for any professional that's listening, because we have a lot of coaches and clinicians that listen to this show too, I said, I will never do disclosures. You can't pay me to do disclosures. I don't want to do disclosures. And then that was obviously before I worked with some partners. And when I did work with partners, I realized how badly they needed somebody to advocate for them in providing a formal therapeutic disclosure. So I learned the process, I did the work, and it was amazing. And so the second thing I want to say is that I didn't think the emotional impact statement or the restitution statement or letter was important and didn't use that for probably six months. And then I thought, oh, what the heck, maybe I should give it a try. And it was a game changer. I mean, it really, oh, completed the full circle of what a formal therapeutic disclosure is. And so I really appreciate the fact that not only, if I'm not mistaken, did you learn this process, but you learned how to do it from an individual standpoint and also in an intensive. Is that correct?
1: Yes, so I do the therapeutic process, whether you're coming to see me on a weekly basis, and also I do have people that come from all over the United States to do a three-day intensive. I was trained under Dr. Mm-hmm. Dr. Milton Magnus to walk a couple through that intensive Cycle of doing the disclosure followed by an exam, the impact statement and the restitution letter. And so whether we're doing it in an intensive or we're taking uh, more time to do it on a weekly basis, you're absolutely right, it's part of that process. And the partner should begin writing it immediately when she comes into therapy. What happens is the addict is hearing snippets of it obviously when she's angry, when she's hurt, when she's overwhelmed. But what I encourage them to do is just start a Word document and just start immediately getting out. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's happened? Just start putting all of your thoughts onto paper, whether you've already shared it with your um, with the addict or not, and I say the addict because it could be the wife, the husband, you don't even have, it doesn't necessarily need to be a marriage where there's betrayal trauma. It's any relationship, any form of partners. Um, But I just refer to the addict as the one who is struggling with the addiction and is getting help for that. And then, of course, the partner, in this sense, we would refer to as the betrayed partner. But working on it immediately after the disclosure, or she's going to complete it after the disclosure, because oftentimes, as you know, Carol, there's a lot of impact that comes from learning new information, from hearing everything at the same time. So I try to get the partners to be working on that impact statement ongoing so that after disclosure they can complete it
0: Mhm, mhm.
1: Well, I know that um, Barbara Steffens,
0: the ex-president of APSAP, says we've got to make sure that the partner is really ready to be able to do it because, of course, her brain may have be, be offline and she may need some time to really um, settle in to what what she's heard and what has happened to her. But after that, it is important for her to find that voice and be able to share that both for herself and for him. Um, And I know you ascribe to the same
1: thing. Oh, absolutely. I think every single couple that we see is an individual couple. And although we set out a plan to help them to the best of our ability based on research and experience, we also want to take into consideration um, their individual circumstances, the individual's personality, their support system. um, Also the process of what the addict is doing. If the addict is making good, consistent um, effort to make the partner feel safer, um, you know, she's going to be calmer to be able to get her thoughts out on paper. But again, that's part of our role, Carol, as the therapist, is to help her with that. We are addressing that trauma from day one with her, giving her skills, giving her support so that she can write this out. And although I agree it takes some time and everyone is an individual, I also think there's some Caution with allowing it to take too much time so obviously sometimes mm-hmm. we have partners that come in and the emotional strain of writing it can just be too overwhelming um, they can be afraid of the addict's response of what they really want to say and be honest um, sometimes they're questioning why do I have to do so much work right? He's the one that's done all this. And I'm just, again, it could be either way. I'm just using the husband and wife as an example. Um, But, you know, he's done this to me. He's the one that needs help. Why do I have to do all this work? So there's um, a lot of things that can hinder it. Also, what I've seen in my experience is when too much time passes and the partner is prolonging the impact statement, what can happen is the addict is doing very well and we're progressing in the therapeutic process for both of them, and then they don't want to rock the boat. So it's, oh my goodness, we're in such a good place. I don't want to go back and and, and you know do anything that's going to make us have a setback or be in a bad place. So I really do recommend, um, and I help my partners from a trauma perspective to really start writing it out because we don't want too much time to go by if the addict is is making progress to do the impact statement.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It is really that delicate balance, and that's why they use us as professionals to figure out are they ready and what's in their best interest, both from a temporary situation to kind of the long term. And you're exactly right. If too much time goes on them, I've met many a partner who has said, oh, you know, they worked with somebody else and they just said, yeah, we didn't get around to it, and then he was doing better and I just didn't feel like it was necessary, when in reality it's always necessary to share your voice, to share the impact with the addict in a safe environment um, as opposed to similar to, to a staggered disclosure or trickle effect, you know, sharing those things every time you get together, every dinner, every moment of the day, you know, so much of what we do is with our couples is we want them to get healthy, and they've got to get on with their life, but there are things they need to do first, and that's the impact letter and the restitution letter.
1: So well, well, you're exactly you right. It, they never really get peace if they don't get to have their voice. And so you're right. It'll come up in little snippets. It'll come up for years and years. And that doesn't mean after you do the impact statement in a safe setting um, that you're not triggered in the future. Or there's no empathy or we never talk about it again. But that restitution letter is so important for healing excuse me, and you cannot do a restitution letter without the impact statement being uh, written and shared first. Well, and, you
0: know, your your um, restitution may be different than mine because we all use different templates and things like that. But one of the most delightful things about that is after she reads her emotional impact letter and then, of course, gives that letter to him so that he can go over it and address um, what he's heard, without making apologies, without editorializing, without defending, but just really saying, "I heard you when you said that you were devastated and you can't eat or even sleep right now," and he just really regurgitates very, very important information. And more often than not, I will have a partner say to me, as he, after he reads the restitution. She'll look at me and she'll say, that was a game changer. That was a game changer. And I'll say, really, why? And she'll say, because I can tell he heard what I said. He heard it verbatim, and it just makes me feel like I was heard. Now, Crystal, do you share that same experience? Have you had some stories of your own the partners have said shared with you?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, when you're sharing the impact statement, you're sharing how you've been impacted emotionally, spiritually, sexually, financially. You're sharing how the family's been impacted. And also, I encourage my partners to share any boundaries. So let's say, for example, you know, I was accepting the unacceptable from you in this area. Going forward, I will no longer do this. They can also share what they expect to be different going forward. So they're really getting to have their voice. And, of course, they do it uh, without attacking or name-calling or, you know, vulgar language. They're going to do it in a way that it can really be heard, that they really get to express themselves. And then that next step of getting that restitution letter, you know, when I do restitution letters, uh, Carol, I have three parts to it. The first part, mm-hmm. I have the addict, just acknowledge and apologize. I lied. I broke our marriage vows, right, really admitting and, and speaking from their heart To show remorse and and apology. Next, they are actually going to take a copy of their partner's impact statement and they're going to validate. They're going to share empathy like you teach in your book, Help or Heal. They're going to express empathy. What was it like to be you? They're going to apologize. They're going to show remorse. It's so important because they're taking the partner's own words of how they expressed they were impacted, not how the addict thinks they impacted them, but how the partner shared they were impacted. Excuse me. -hmm. Oh, excuse me there. Um, And then the third part of it is where they're going to make a commitment for restitution to go forward. That may be their commitment to sobriety, That's their commitment to the marriage, their commitment to making things right, whether it's financially. Sometimes that includes conversations with family and friends. Sometimes it means boundaries. Sometimes it means uh, financial restitution. And so in my experience, When we follow that structured plan, it really helps both partners be willing to step into the next phase of really doing some couples work, of building and maintaining a healthy marriage. But if we don't have complete honesty through disclosure, if we don't have trauma work for both the addict and the partner, if we don't give the partner the opportunity to say, hey, here's what this has done to me, and then have the addict be able to have time to really acknowledge, um, show remorse, show empathy, and then a commitment, a clear commitment to go forward, then there is no foundation Mm -hmm. to get your marriage into or your relationship into the place that you want it to be.
0: Yeah, I so agree with that. And we are so on the same page, even though we both do it a little bit differently. And, And so, as we were talking about all the different um, reasons why this can be so very, very important. I'm wondering, you said Milt Magnus taught you the process of an intensive. I'm going to ask you, when when do they do this in the intensive?
1: Yes, so when I was in training with Dr. Magnus, um, he was the one that encouraged me to say, You are a trauma professional. You are um, certified EMDR. You're a certified trauma professional. He said, you need to start helping the partner on a deeper level because I think you're really, um, you know, you're really qualified to do that. And I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he said, well, you can do it, so put it together. And so he's the one that really encouraged me to take the process that I was already doing with partners and helping them heal and I put it together into an intensive period. And so my three day trauma intensive really takes you from a place of woundedness to a place of healing. And so we take a look at birth till today, oftentimes The partners that I see, they not only have trauma from their relationship betrayal, some trauma earlier in their life, in other ways uh, that they've been victimized or harmed. Not all partners. Not all partners have a history of trauma, but I found that a lot do. And also I found that sometimes it's not necessarily trauma uh, outside of the relationship trauma, but it's been going on for years. So as you know, Carol, we've we had to see couples where this has been going on for 10, 15, even 20 years. They get caught, they say they're never going to do it again, it escalates, something else happens, there's so much shame associated with it, and they don't know there's help available. And so there can be repeated complex trauma just within the relationship. So my three-day intensive really heals those wounds of trauma. And not only that, but helps you to leave from a place of healing with a plan for that. Well, that
0: makes sense. And so I know this sounds like a a silly question, but sometimes couples will say, can we just do this at home within, within our own home? And I've got some really strong feelings about that. What do you think?
1: And I apologize, Carol. I think I'm having some interference. Can you repeat what you just said? Absolutely. Um, Sometimes couples
0: want to, they want to do it at home. And what would you tell a couple that wanted to do
1: it at home? Well, they can't. I absolutely, obviously, we tell our couples, when you leave our office, you can do whatever you would like, but I would never, ever recommend that. They have to have a safety plan. They have to have a plan for afterwards as well as during the session, and I never recommend it take place out of a therapeutic setting. Um, And I will tell you, I have had, and you've probably had this, Carol, too, I've had many Couples tell me we could have never done that disclosure or that impact statement outside of a third person being present. Um, whether the conversation goes awry or one person gets upset or anger takes place, um, it's too important, and we're talking about trauma responses for both the addict and the partner. So as a therapist, as a therapist, we prep you for this. We have already given you skills. Um, we are there with you to be a support, but oftentimes, when I do this process, not always, but oftentimes, um, if i 'm not seeing both uh, parties in the couple, then the other therapist who's treating maybe the addict or the partner will also be in the session. We want them to have really good support. it's just very dangerous for domestic violence to take place in some way if you're doing that without a third-party presence. I 100% agree. Now,
0: what supports do you recommend once they are finished with the disclosure, the emotional impact letter, and, if
1: you will, the restitution letter? Well, then usually in my experience, it's time for us to start really building and maintaining a healthy marriage. And that includes healthy sexuality within the marriage. But before that time, Carol, a lot of therapists mean well but they try to do marriage work when we don't have the foundation of trust established to be able to do that. And that's where we can really harm both the person struggling with addiction as well as the betrayed partner. When we don't get Mm -hmm. that foundation settled and then we're trying to have them participate and both of them be responsible for their role in a healthy marriage. And I found it to just cause too much damage. In fact, I've had a lot of clients come to me that they've gone to marriage therapists for help. And, of course, more damage has been done because they're just not trained or educated on how to deal with addressing the addiction and betrayal first then be able to help the couple to have a healthy marriage. Yeah, and you know
0: me, with that new book I just wrote, Help Them Heal, I really feel like we have to be able to teach them the relational skills to even begin to do the
1: hard work to rebuild the relationship. What do you think? I agree with you. You know, what I find, though, is I know your book is excellent for couples that are early in that recovery process. What I have found is usually early we have to teach communication, we have to educate, we have to address a lot of things going on that impact them as a couple, but we don't really focus on the couple and building and maintaining until we get through that process. They're just not ready to do it. But what I see is when we do get that foundation down... It doesn't take that long. It doesn't take that long for them both to be in a place to be willing to take responsibility for being a healthier partner, to really make the marriage the priority, Um, but getting that foundation down first is the key. And when you say the foundation, you're referencing the disclosure, the emotional interest. I'm referencing, yes, that process of addressing the couple's sex addiction process. Once you have that down, we have a clear treatment for sobriety. We have the disclosure, the impact statement, the restitution letter. We also have um, where we're doing the trauma work individually with each one. Once we do that solid work, then they're really ready. I think they do so much better in building and maintaining a healthy marriage as well as being able to build and maintain healthy sexuality you can't do that when you're traumatized, and you can't do that from my perspective as an addict until you really have taken responsibility, till you're sober-minded, um, until you're living healthier and balanced, you have good coping skills, um, until you understand what intimacy really is because, you know, sex addiction is an intimacy disorder. That's what it is. And so until you have those foundational aspects addressed, I don't think you're ready um, for the couples. And maybe that's why some couples struggle for so long is they don't follow that nice structured protocol um, that helps them set up. You know, you can't run until you learn to walk. And so it's, it's that, you know, stepping, we've got to crawl and then we learn to walk and then eventually we're running. And I think there has to be that process for really good success. Yeah, I agree.
0: Now, do you find that there, that you have had specific challenges in this foundation?
1: I'm sorry, Carol. Again, I apologize. What did you say there? Okay. The challenge with what? Yeah, what kind of challenges do you run into
0: with this process uh, you know and or getting started with um early recovery couples work um, once, once the process is done, once the uh, disclosure, the impact letter, and the restitution is done.
1: Oh, my, Carol, there's so many challenges, so many challenges that can come up for both, right? If we have somebody who comes in to save their marriage, who has an addiction, but it takes them a long time to get serious about doing the work, that, of course, uh, just, creates so many challenges. We have the partner that comes in that says, I'm not doing anything. I want you to fix him. I'm okay. That takes time for them to realize, no, you've really been impacted significantly by this. That's a challenge. Um, Also, the challenge is time, right? People have busy lives. Like you mentioned earlier, when we started the show, we're all so busy. And of course, our clients are very busy too. So making time, Um, not only for the recovery and the betrayal trauma process, but now we have to make time to write these. We have to make time um, to set apart for therapy now. Lots of hours of time can be a challenge um, for busy. Of course, they have to make it the priority. And then, of course, we have all so many other consequences. So, for example, I've seen many clients that have lawsuits against them for sexual harassment Um, So their business and their livelihood is at risk. I have people that have been arrested for indecent exposure, for prostitution, for, you know, so many things. So we have a legal aspect to what could be happening here. Sometimes there's abuse. Um, We may have physical abuse, so we have to do a therapeutic separation to be able to get to a safe place to begin this process. So there can be so many challenges along the way, and that's why it's so important Um, that the couple is seeing therapists that are really experienced and certified to address these issues. Because like I said earlier, and I know you agree with me on this, that every couple is an individual couple. And if you're not seeing a therapist that understands both sides of that and the challenges that can come up, they won't know how to navigate it when it happens. So a lot of chaos can happen, but that's what we're there for. We're there to try to calm them down, Educate them, help them to work through whatever challenges come up, so that they can lean into having a healthy uh, marriage is our goal.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So as we begin to wrap up, obviously, Crystal, you're a master at this. And how can people get a hold of you if they are considering doing an intensive, or if they want more information on all the all the the intensives and the hard work that you do with the MDR and anger management? How can they get a hold of you? Well, know, yeah.
1: so thank you, Carol. Um, you can go to my website, which is simply my name, www.crystalhollenbeck.com. And you can also text me or call me at 407 6521. Um, And I'd be glad to give any additional information. I do have offices in Orlando and Tampa, Florida. And so that's where my practices, all of my intensives are done out of my Orlando office. And my office is right in the middle of all of the attractions, Disney, um, Universal, all of that. So um, it's an easy area to fly into um, to do your intensive. But Thank you. Yes, they can get any information from my website. And again, that is www.crystal,
0: C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, Hollenbeck, H-O-L-L-E-N-B-E-C-K dot com. Um, yes. And again, thank you so much. I mean, you just have a wealth of knowledge. Is there any parting words that you might have for our listeners today?
1: You know, I just want to remind them that there's hope. You know, if you're listening to this today and you're new to the process, there's hope. It seems overwhelming, um, but the, the hard steps that you take are really healing. And, of course, if you've been in this process for a while and you're feeling discouraged, there is hope. No matter where you are, we can help you to get to a better place.
0: And, you know, that is so much of what we do, isn't it, Crystal? We give them hope because it seems like such a hopeless situation. But if they choose to work together on this, it is absolutely possible to rebuild um, a relationship. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I say, Yeah. okay, you may develop a new relationship, you know.
1: You're so right, Carol. I feel like our job really is that we are hope givers, right? People come when they're devastated and overwhelmed, and we really get to let them know that there is hope. There's a lot of couples that have been through this. They're not alone, and we're there to see them through that process.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Crystal Hollenbeck, thank you again, and you know, I am just sure that there will be some people that will be talking about this tonight and replaying this episode. You've always got a lot of good information. You make it a good day.
1: Thank you, Carol. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: So, again, Crystal Holm back. Uh, she's She's a wealth of information, and she really has done a nice job of putting together a safe process just for you. So I'm going to end this show with saying there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. If you're a partner in distress, please look at what it can be to find post-traumatic growth. And if you're an addict, I want you to know that you can help heal this relationship by getting help them heal and sitting down together and working the exercises. And you might want to go to my YouTube channel, Thunder Help Her Heal, and I've got a lot of videos on IRCA, the Early Recovery Couples Empty Model, that helps you heal together. We'll see you next week for more sex help with Carol the Coach.